I'm Mary Van Horn with Van Horn Ranch in Hondo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas feedlot inventories are dropping. We recently talked about the nationwide feedlot numbers, but when you break it down by state, we see even larger drops here in Texas compared to the rest of the nation. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For Texas High Plains farmers, it appears that some good conservation practices can actually lead to new pest control issues. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. In the Texas legislature, Senate committee assignments have been made, including those committees most important to farmers, ranchers, and rural Texans. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have a report from the state capitol on Texas Ag Today. It's that time of the year in Texas when we get ready for vegetable gardening. We're talking about spring gardening. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about preparation for gardens. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Feedlot inventories are dropping here in Texas after a year of climbing inventories due to the drought. The latest cattle on feed report shows 2.7 million head in Texas feedlots. That's down 5% from a year ago. Placements also taking a huge drop, with 350,000 head placed in December. That is down 21% from a year ago. Texas Feed Yards marketed 380,000 head last month. That is down 4%. Texas A&M Livestock Marketing Specialist David Anderson says those numbers were about what he was expecting. You know, I don't think there were a lot of surprises in the report. Really, they were about in line with expectations of the market analysts that do pre-report estimates. And I'm one of those. In fact, I thought placements would be down a little bit more. But really, those were pretty much in line with expectations. I think the big part of what it means going forward is, you know, again, another month of fewer cattle on feed than the same month a year ago. The big decline in placements really began in the last four months of 2022, which we ought to expect given a smaller cow herd, fewer calves available, and now we have fewer being placed, fewer on feed, and it's really reflecting what we expect to see in the inventory report next week and where we're going in terms of the cow herd. Anderson says the number of heifers in feedlots is also dropping, something we haven't seen in a long time. Texas sheep producers are closely watching the 2023 Farm Bill debate. 
Benny Cox with Producers Livestock in San Angelo is the past president of the American Sheep Industry Association. He says the Farm Bill is on the top of their list. Most definitely. The Farm Bill is like top priority now. Uh, there's a lot of concern that it will be extended. Um, uh, they're, they're fearful, you know, in, in September, that's the end of, of the, the, the farmer farm bill. And uh, they think that it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe. And so we're looking at that. They're talking about that's one of the things that we've talked more about than anything else. And there is one issue the sheep industry is especially concerned about. Oh, I can tell you this. We, the Wool Trust Fund's what keeps this alive. It's about $2.2 million a year. Uh, it was two and a half with sequestry. It's, it's a little less than that. Uh, it's what it's the lifeblood for this organization to keep these, you know, the, the capability of having a convention like this and drawing all these people in here. Uh, so it's important to us, and, and we certainly want, you know, reauthorization of the, the Wool Trust Fund money. We talked with Benny at last week's American Sheep Industry Convention in Fort Worth. For Texas High Plains farmers, some good conservation practices could actually lead to new pest control issues. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. As the years go by, more and more farmers in our area are adopting conservation-minded practices. Things like planting cover crops, instituting more crop rotation, and reducing tillage. Those are all good practices from a conservation standpoint, but Blaine Reed with Texas A&M AgriLife says it appears that new pest problems are emerging because what he refers to as the environmental niche is being impacted. I can guarantee when we do less tillage in the field, even though we're conserving hopefully organic matter and water, we are having more soil-borne pests and more insects that overwinter in the soil will be a problem next year. And I'm seeing more of what used to be X-files, things like wireworms or some weird uh, grubs. We're seeing them more and more often. And uh, not to knock those conservation principles, but just for growers need to understand what they're getting into and maybe prepare for them with seed treatments or uh, other alternative methods. Uh, we're looking at a lot of new alternative methods for controlling some of these soil insects and look for results in the next few years. Blaine Reed says one alternative approach that's being explored involves using nematodes. Yes, some nematodes are bad and can do damage to your crops. But Reed says science is showing that there are also nematodes that can perform a service for farmers by feeding on soil-borne insects. We've proven that some of these nematodes will cover corn rootworm control for at least seven years with one application. And we're looking at it in cotton for wireworms and things like that as well. Blaine Reed is AgriLife's integrated pest management agent for Hale and Swisher counties. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Senate committee assignments have been made in the Texas legislature. Tom Nicoletti tells us that includes those committees that are most important to Texas agriculture. My guest from Austin is Charlie Leal. He is uh, Texas Farm Bureau State Legislative Director, and Charlie has uh, the full list of uh, committee assignments of uh, those committees that are important to farmers, ranchers, and rural Texas. And uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick made those committee assignments with their uh, appropriate uh, chairman and then the committee members. And uh, so what do you have there for us, Charlie? Tom, following committees have jurisdiction over issues important to farmers, ranchers, and, and rural Texans. Senator Charles Perry out of Lubbock, he'll continue as chair of the Ag, Water, and Rural Affairs Committee. 
Brian Birdwill at a Granberry will continue as Chair of Natural Resources and Economic Development Committee. Chairman Robert Nichols at a Jacksonville, he'll continue on Senate Transportation. Senator Brian Hughes at a Mineola, he'll be the Chair of State Affairs. And then we have Senator Joan Huffman at a Houston, and she will be the Chair of Senate Finance. Now, certainly uh, these committees are, as you said, uh, important to agriculture. And uh, any idea when uh, these committees will start their work? There are a few committees who will begin almost immediately. The Senate Finance Committee is already having hearings on budgetary matters for the state. The other committees will begin ramping up their hearings over the next month. Procedurally, the legislature is prohibited from passing any bills within the first 60 days of a session. Unless the governor does deem it an emergency item, then they can take action. What about over in the House? Speaker Phelan has yet to announce committee assignments just yet, but we do anticipate that he will make those assignments in the next couple of weeks. That is Texas Farm Bureau State Legislative Director Charlie Leal in Austin. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's the time of year to get ready for spring gardens here in Texas. Horticulturalist John Begno has some garden preparation tips from San Angelo. Well, you know, you get these warm spells and then cold spells, warm spells, cold spells. That's typical January in Texas, and it's the time that we get all these catalogs from nurseries and garden centers about planting gardens and the beautiful pictures and we get all pumped up, especially on the warm days. And what we're doing is, first of all, preparing our ground. If you're an old-time gardener, you're, of course, getting rid of old plants and choosing where your new plants will be going because you don't want to replant the same crop year after year on the same ground. You want to rotate just like farmers do. New gardeners are going to be breaking out ground that could be everything from Bermuda grass to bare ground, and now is the time to get it broken out, plowed, loosened. The reason we do that is it improves the aeration of the soil, and roots will grow better because most vegetable plants, they're not woody roots. They're very herbaceous tender roots, and they do better in good, loose, fertile soil. So that looseness is what we do when we plow it. We might add a little fertilizer, but the best thing to add is some type of organic matter. Could be old leaf mold. It could be old manure. It could be something you purchase from a garden center and plow in. But that's the preparation part because it won't be long. There'll be several crops that we'll be planting. First of all, onions could be planted now. A little bit early in most areas for potatoes. And remember that you don't know what the outlier will be. Let's say we get a real cold spell in February. You might not want to spend a lot of money on putting plants in the ground right now because they could be wiped out. We're talking about cabbage, cauliflower, lettuce, chard, all of those things you withstand our normal temperatures throughout the middle part of the state and all the way down to the south. And in North Texas, it's going to wait about another two, three, or four weeks before they even plant those sort of things because it still gets really cold and icy up there. So get prepared. Choose what crops you want to grow. If you've looked in the marketplace, the price of vegetables have really gone up. There's nothing like fresh, homegrown garden vegetables. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. Texas landowners who will be impacted by the lesser prairie chickens listing under the Endangered Species Act have more time to sign up for a voluntary conservation plan if they'd like. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And some horses can develop a lack of pigmentation on their skin. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next 
right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Some horses can develop a lack of pigmentation on their skin. Dr. Bob Judd says it usually happens around their eyes. If you have seen horses with a lack of pigment in certain areas of the skin and there is no inflammation, vitiligo is possible. Fortunately, the condition is cosmetic only and does not have any detrimental effects to the horse. Dr. Clara Thunes indicates in the horse publication that the syndrome also occurs in other mammals, including dogs, humans, and pigs, and is thought to be an immune-mediated condition. The animal's immune system attacks and kills melanocytes, which are the cells that produce the pigment in the animal's skin. So once these cells are killed, the skin becomes white or at least unpigmented. The disease was mentioned 3,500 years ago in humans, but the first known report in horses was 1931. That does not mean the disease did not exist, but there were just no scientific reports. The disease can occur in several breeds and is particularly common in Arabians and is referred to as Arabian fading syndrome or pinky syndrome. I have seen several Arabian mares develop the condition around their eyes when pregnant, but not sure why this occurs. Vitiligo comes and goes and can be related to stress, which could be the reason it occurs in pregnant mares. Doctors have tried numerous treatments in people with varying results. It is believed that nutritional changes may help in some horses, as in one horse the issue resolved with supplementing vitamins A, D, E, and B12, and in another horse lesions resolved by feeding excessive copper. However, treatments are difficult to evaluate scientifically in a disease that the symptoms come and go, so it is difficult to prove the vitamins and copper actually played a role in disease resolution. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas landowners who will be impacted by the lesser prairie chickens listing under the Endangered Species Act will have more time to sign up for a voluntary conservation plan. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has delayed the effective date for the listing of two population segments of the lesser prairie chicken under the Endangered Species Act. The listing was initially set to take place January 24th, but it has now been pushed back 60 days to March 27th. The extension gives landowners and other interested parties additional time to enroll in voluntary lesser prairie chicken conservation plans that are aimed at protecting the species while providing certainty for industry and landowners. Dr. David Yaskowitz, Executive Director of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, discussed the extension and listing with the Parks and Wildlife Commission on Wednesday. Over the last 16 years, the department has had a tremendous voluntary collaboration with private landowners and industry to conserve the lesser prairie chicken habitat 
and we reiterate the department's opposition to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service listing of the species during the final rule on November 25, 2022. The decision jeopardizes decades of voluntary conservation efforts, increases regulatory burden, and does not assure the recovery of the species. The decision affects 14 counties in Texas, listing the bird as threatened in some and endangered in others. A northern distinct population segment located in the northeast Texas panhandle where the bird is listed as threatened in seven counties, and then the southern distinct population segment located in the southwest Texas panhandle where the species is listed as endangered in seven counties. The department stands committed to working with private landowners and industry to conserve the lesser prairie chicken and its habitat, just as we have for decades. When the listing goes into effect on March 27th, the take of a lesser prairie chicken or their habitat will be a federal violation. According to TPWD, a take would include harassing, harming, pursuing, hunting, shooting, wounding, killing, trapping, capturing, or collecting any of the prairie chickens. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It is time again to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded higher on Friday due to a number of factors, including southern feedlots holding their ground, unwilling to accept packers' bids. That's according to DTN. Trade was also supported by a positive export sales report released by USDA on Thursday. February live cattle even at 156.72. April live cattle up 30 cents to 160.82. March feeder cattle up 62 cents to 183.47. April feeder cattle up 55 cents to 187.55. Boxed beef was lower Friday, choice down 21 cents to 268.54, select down $1.16 to 250.32. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Carl Herman had a cold, dreary, wet sale on Wednesday. But Carl, I guess it turned out pretty good, didn't it? Better than I thought it would be. We had about 300 head on a higher cow market and calf market for 47 buyers and 38 sellers. 50 cows and bulls yesterday, slaughter cows 40 to 86, slaughter bulls 83 to 108, stalker cows 850 to 1375, and the pairs 1200 to 1500. On the calf side, two to three weight steers, 201 to 230. Three to four weights brought 206 to 245. 
five. Four to five weights, two dollars to two twenty-two. Five to six weight steers brought one ninety-three to two dollars. Six to sevens, uh, one seventy-eight to one eighty-five, and seven to eight weight steers, one forty-five to one seventy-nine. On the uh, heifer side, two to three weights, one fifty-two to one seventy-five. Three to four weights, one seventy-nine to one ninety-seven. Four to five weight heifers, one seventy-seven to one ninety-five. Five to six weights, one fifty-four to one seventy-six. Six to seven weight heifers brought one fifty-six to one sixty-eight, and no big heifers weighing seven to eight hundred. We had really uh, a lot of good cattle yesterday, and uh, the market reflected that. Uh, it's pretty good. It's really pretty good. What do you anticipate for next Wednesday? <laughs> I think uh, there's going to be a lot of people trying to catch up from this week that didn't get uh, to get in the pasture and get some get some cattle because of all the rain and the wet weather. But I've already had two or three guys call and wondering about the market and how it was, and and uh, they said, "Well, we'll see you next week." So uh, uh, I look for a pretty good sale next week if we don't have any weather complications. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Okay, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Edner, 540-8676. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. February lean hogs fell $1.15 Friday to seventy five eighty seven. April lean hogs down 55 cents to 86.45. January class 3 milk was even at 19.48 a hundred weight. February class 3 milk fell 26 cents to 18.06 a hundred weight. March cotton down 61 points to 86.89. May cotton down 57 points to 87.45. December cotton down 34 points to 85.58. March corn up a half to 683. May corn even at 680. March hard red wheat up four and a half to 869 and a quarter. May hard red wheat up five to 862 and a half. July hard red wheat up four and a half to 853 and a quarter. February natural gas rose 21 cents Friday to 315. March natural gas up a cent to 286. March crude oil down $1.52 to $79.49 a barrel. April crude oil down $1.51 to $79.77 a barrel. The Dow rose 160 points Friday to 34,110. The S&P 500 up 27 points to 4,087. The Nasdaq up 154 points to 11,666. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.